It's an honor to be a part of your Easter celebration. Uh, let's just acknowledge uh, from, the, from the beginning, uh, this is different. Uh, we are not gathered all together in a place for a big celebration, but my prayer throughout this week has been that when we gather in our small places, we would still have a big celebration. We have much to celebrate uh, at Easter, the resurrection of Christ. And, and yet in this time of pandemic, I know, as I've talked to, to many of you, um, that the time of this isolation, this time at stay at home, this time of social distancing uh, is taking its toll. And so I want to begin by praying for you, uh, just lifting you up to the Lord and being able to lay that at God's feet before we go into his word together. And so let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would be with every person who's a part of this service, whether they're watching it on, on Easter Sunday or at some other time during the week, that, that God, you would just meet with them in a special way. I pray for those, Lord, who are dealing with loss, for those who are dealing with, with physical stress or perhaps even um, fear that they may be sick or maybe they are sick. And God, that you would lay your healing hand upon them. I pray for those emotionally who are feeling drained, who are feeling exhaustion, who may even be feeling and battling with depression, God, that you would just be their strength, that they would feel your presence in such a real way. God, we know that this pandemic we're in, we're not meant to camp here. We're just passing through. That you have great plans for us in the midst of it and on the other side of it. And so, God, we, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you're present. We thank you that you're working, that you're loving, that you are moving in the midst of all these things. We give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Why well, I debated whether I was going to do this or not, but about 30 years ago, I picked up a tradition that's been held in the church for, for really centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, it's an Easter greeting, and for nearly 30 years, I've been able to stand in front of a room full of people and give this greeting and hear them give the response back, and I thought, do you do that to a camera? Do you do that with people watching online? And I thought, well, why not? And so I'm going to do this. It's an old greeting in the church. It's he's risen, and then you'll say he's risen indeed. Now, here's the great part. If you were all here and didn't do it, it may hurt my feelings. But since you're not here, just in my mind, I believe you're all going to do it. And so no pressure. You can do it or not, but, but I think if you get into it, you'll get a lot out of it. And so I'm going to say he's risen, and then you just yell out, he's risen indeed. Okay, we're going to do it a few times. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Absolutely. You know, Easter has always been an exciting time for me as long as I can remember. Uh, sure, as a child, I enjoyed dying eggs, uh, the Easter bunny, receiving candy. I enjoyed getting together with my family for that Easter dinner. And did I mention receiving candy? I mean, I enjoyed all those things. However, it's the real reason for the season that really began at a young age to foster in me a deep appreciation for Easter. Easter. Easter, the word is related to East, right? It naturally points to the sunrise and new days and new beginnings. And certainly the message of Easter 
It is one that we can embrace every single day of our life, and we should. But I was thinking about the time we're going through and, and, and just how encouraging it is to be reminded that in Christ we have these new days, these new beginnings. But the only thing that's really permanent in this side of paradise is the Lord's presence in our life. Everything else is always changing. But with him, that change that he brings, that eternal change, that, that, that change that, that comes upon us when we're in that moment of darkness and then he just pierces through of his light. It is so remarkable and it's so tied to the, to the real meaning of Easter. Easter is the remembrance and celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and the life that we're offered in him. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus arose from the grave on the, last, on the first day of the week, on Sunday, and that Jesus' resurrection, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus' resurrection is the most worthy thing to celebrate. That Christ's resurrection, as I've said, is something that we should celebrate every single day. However, it is so appropriate that we as Christ's church take some time out of our year to just put a special emphasis on this celebration. Easter is about Jesus being resurrected from the dead and how this really demonstrates that we can trust in his promise of eternal life by receiving him as Lord and Savior. Now, what I want to do in our time together is, is I want to take the actual word Easter and break it down so we could really understand the internal implications of what happened on that Resurrection Sunday. So we're going to look at Easter, E-A-S-T-E-R. We're going to break it down and look at the Easter story. We'll start with the letter E, Easter, right? On the Resurrection Sunday, followers of Christ found that the tomb was empty. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 1 through 5, we read, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? What a remarkable moment. Like that's one I would love to see the clip for. Uh, the ladies going to the tomb, the two men in dazzling apparel. What does that look like, right? But the best part is what they, the question they ask. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you here at this tomb? And, and it's amazing to me. They, they return to the tomb. They, they expect to, to, to honor Christ by, by taking care of his body, which they weren't able to do beforehand because of the Sabbath coming and the, the, how fast they had to, to put Christ in the tomb after his crucifixion. And when they get there, they're, they're not scolded, but they're just asked the question, what are you even doing here? This is a place for dead people, but Jesus is alive. In fact, when we look at the A in the word Easter, the tomb was not empty because someone had stolen Christ's body. The stone was rolled away. I'm sure when they first went in, they thought, where is he? Who took him? And these angels say to them, look, he's not dead. He hasn't been stolen. No, 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 he's alive. Look at verse 6 of Luke's uh, gospel, chapter 24. He's not here, he's risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Remember how he told you. The angels don't just proclaim that he's risen, but they, they want to emphasize, remember, he had already told you this is what was going to happen. In other words, this was God's plan all along. I think that's really important because it's easy to maybe look at the story of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and maybe think that what happened was Jesus was going about his ministry and all of a sudden his, his ministry plans were thwarted by, by someone who, who puts him through these sham trials and then crucifies him. And then there's God looking down saying, well, what do I do now? Oh, I know, the resurrection. But it wasn't like that at all. From the very beginning, God's plan was that Jesus would come. We celebrate that at Christmas. That he humbly took upon his divinity, humanity. That he lived this modest life as a carpenter and rabbi. And, and he did this to seek and save the lost. But his goal, his goal from the very beginning, his reason for coming, was to die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. It wasn't his plan B, it was his only plan. And as God, who's sovereign, who's large and in charge, he worked out his plan perfectly. The angel says, just as he told you, this was God's plan all along. The S in Easter. It's the sacrifice of Jesus, his death and resurrection, that offers forgiveness of sins in salvation. Look at the second part of verse 6 through 9. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The angels stress again the necessity of, of God's providential plan being fulfilled. The women remember Christ's words that, that he had already prophesied this, and they run to the disciples to, to tell them what they had seen and, and, and what they didn't see, that Jesus was alive and that these angels spoke to him. And can you picture their excitement? As, as, as these ladies are saying to the disciples, don't you remember when Jesus said this? And don't you remember when Jesus, he had already told us this was going to happen. I mean, if you can picture on that Thursday night when they're having the last supper, as we call it, with Jesus, and, and, and then he's betrayed. He's taken through these sham trials and he's crucified. And, and the disciples are, are, many are nowhere to be seen. They're hiding. Saturday. Saturday must have been a really low day for them. But then Resurrection Sunday. See, from the beginning, God's plan was for Jesus' sacrifice, that his finished work on the cross and his resurrection would bring salvation to everyone who believes. Paul writes to the church in Rome, as recorded for us in Romans 4.25, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. In other words, Jesus died for our sins, was resurrected for our salvation, and both his death and resurrection were necessary for us to be forgiven and justified. Now, what's it mean to be justified? Justification is a mighty act of God by which he declares sinful people not guilty, but righteous instead. God just does this by imputing or crediting 
the perfect righteousness of Christ on us. When God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, it was a demonstration that he accepted Christ's sacrifice, that that payment was paid in full. But the scripture tells us, but the wage of sin is death. But what God did, he bore that price on our behalf. Those who receive Christ as Lord and Savior are united with Christ in his death. In other words, when he died for us, it was a substitutionary death. He died, he died in our stead, paid that price in full so that we could be in a right relationship with God. Think about that. Any finite sin against an infinite God has infinite consequences. That's the bad news. But the good news is this, that any finite act from an infinite God has infinite consequences. That when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected for our salvation, but it spoke of his triumph. That's the T in Easter. The resurrection of Christ meant triumph for Jesus, but that's not all. It meant triumph for Jesus, but also means triumph for his followers. Listen to the words of Christ recorded in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 18. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, most biblical scholars, when, when they look at that passage and see that some doubted, they, they say, no, no, it wasn't the apostles who doubted, it was others who were with them. And I, I think in context, that makes sense. That oftentimes in scripture, that when Jesus is talking to the to the disciples, others sort of get to listen in. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus is standing with the, with the, with the 11. And, and he speaks these words to them. And some in the crowd, they doubted, but the disciples themselves, they worshiped. See, in Christ's risen state, they understood that he exercised absolute authority over heaven and earth. It, it shows that Jesus is indeed God. The declaration of Christ's authority is it's really the proclamation of his triumph. Jesus conquered sin and death and reigns eternally. See, believers share in his triumph. They share in his triumph through the forgiveness of sins, through, through receiving God's favor, through eternal life. And catch this, through even now having the resources of heaven at our disposal. I, I don't know about you, but, but for me in this time of ever-changing information, of so much uncertainty, it, it, it just brings peace to my soul to know that there is a constant in my life, and that's God's love and presence. It encourages me to realize that although uh, there's many things I can't do, but the things that I can do will be powered up by God's spirit in my life, that there's ministry that can still take place, and an encouragement that can take place, and, and I can still share the love and message of God in this time, albeit in, in very creative ways because of the regulations of distancing. But we share in his triumph. And that leads us to the E. The, the good news is that salvation is available to everyone. Again, look at the words of Christ in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to deserve all that I've commanded you. And behold, 
I love this part. I love this part. And he says, and behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Christ is with us. This imperative, this imperative, make disciples, this call to us as followers of Jesus to go out and introduce people to the Lord through sharing his love and message is a central focus of this great commission that believers are to go and they're to go and make disciples. But I love this. They're to go and make disciples of everyone. And they're to do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone. That means no matter where you come from, no matter what your reputation is, no matter what you've done or haven't done, I mean everyone. It it points to the fact that we can't earn salvation, we can't work for it, we can't be good enough. And I'm glad in a part because, because who gets to draw that line? How would you know if you made it, right? We can't do enough good to receive it. I love it. We're not saved by how we behave, but catch this. Nor are we excluded by how we have behaved. We can't get in because we're so good, and we're not excluded because we're not all that good. That, that, that us coming to Christ, the simple gospel truth, is that, that salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone and is made available to everyone. Then finally it leads us to the R in Easter. All one needs to do is receive. Again, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he writes these words recorded for us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, I think it's important to note that confession with one's mouth does not mean that a spoken affirmation has the power to save anyone. That such confession uh, is simply an outward evidence of inward faith, that our prayer often confirms our, our faith. Believe in your heart that that God raised Christ from the dead and you'll be saved. Does that mean that's all we need to believe, right? Like like we need to understand that Jesus did come. He actually came. He actually died on the cross for our sins. He was actually resurrected for our salvation. More importantly, not only do we believe that these events happened and that because of them, that when we receive Christ, We are saved, which means our sins are forgiven, our destiny is changed, that the resources of heaven, his peace, his power, his strength are available to us, but we believe in him. In fact, it's not perfect belief even that saves us, it's belief in a perfect God. It's not the strength of our faith, it's the object of our faith that saves us. Jesus saves us. And the emphasis on the heart is is that that word heart means with our whole being, with our whole being, believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When we do that, we're saved, made right with God, eternally secure in his loving hands, able to walk with him today. I hope you're encouraged by those words. Being able to walk with him today whether you find yourself listening to this and, and watching and, and you're all alone, isolated from everyone else, or maybe you're for a small group of people. Maybe you're, maybe you're questioning whether your job's gonna be there and how you're gonna make this. And that. God is with you. He's working 
He says, trust in me. He's not just our salvation for eternity. He's our salvation today. Believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You'll be saved. See, when we really look at what Easter means, it means that God loves us, that he is alive, and that we can experience new life in him. Easter Easter means there's hope in Christ. Easter is, is hope rising. Jesus is our hope rising from the grave, as well as as hope rising in the life of every single person who comes to him. At Easter, many of you probably still enjoy dying eggs. Uh, You probably didn't see the Easter bunny out and about since we weren't out and about, but the more I thought about that one, the more I thought that's probably okay. You probably did give and receive candy. We weren't able to gather in 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 a single place to worship. And many of our Typical Easter traditional plans of of eating together with friends and family look much different this year. But again, I hope all of us celebrate in a big way, even in our small spaces. That when we think of, of the true meaning of Easter, it is certainly something worthy of a big celebration, whether we're in a big group or not. It's worthy of being able to proclaim Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. I mean, after all, look at the meaning of Easter again. The tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. His sacrifice offers us salvation. His resurrection demonstrates not just his triumph, but our triumph in him. The promise is for everyone. It's for everyone who receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. Christ is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our remembrance. He's worthy of our very lives. Let me encourage each of us to remember the real meaning of Easter. Let me encourage each of us, if you have yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not right now in the quietness of your own heart to to receive him? To, to say, Lord, thank you for dying my sins and being resurrected for my salvation. And, and for those of us who received him, may we worship him with our very lives. Let me encourage you, every single one of you who are in Christ, seek creative ways to share his love and message, even in this time. I've been so encouraged by the stories of those who have done just that. I, I've been excited about the ways the Lord has allowed me to be a part of still sharing his love and message in in, in this time. I I, want to encourage you that in just a moment I'm going to pray, and and, and as I pray, maybe you're at home receiving Jesus for the first time as your Lord and Savior. Uh, As I pray, there's going to be a number on the screen, and I just want to encourage you to text the word yes, Y-E-S, to that number. Uh, we're not going to hound you. We just want to give you information. We want to pray for you. And if you text yes to that number, we'll get information out to you about the, about what it meant to make the decision you're making and how to take your next steps with Jesus. But for each and every one of us, what a time to celebrate our risen Lord. It may seem like the world is out of control, but it's not out of God's control. He's still working. He calls us to be with him to celebrate, to experience, to live in communion with God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for for your great love, for your profound love. 
Thank you that when you came, you came knowing your mission. You came establishing your mission. You came to die on the cross for our sins and to be resurrected, that we would have salvation and life in you. I thank you that the tomb was empty. I thank you that you are alive, that your sacrifice offers me salvation, offers every single one of us salvation, that your resurrection demonstrates your triumph and that we get to share in that triumph with you, receiving the promise of eternal life. And even today, the resources of heaven, your power, your peace, your provisions. Thank you that salvation is open to everyone, everyone who receives you. And I pray, Lord God, that those who have even received you at this moment, that you would just strengthen them, that you would, Lord God, help us find a way to walk alongside them as they journey with you. May this Easter be one to be remembered, not because of just the present reality we find ourselves in this uncommon time, but more importantly, because even in the midst of all these other things that are happening, that we've been able to experience you in a powerful and wonderful way. Thank you for loving us so extravagantly in Jesus' name.